Talking Singly God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about salvation. And there's various steps, various steps going on from glory to glory, from faith to faith, until we reach the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ into a perfect man. It's one thing for certain that the Lord is coming back for a church that is glorious, with that spot, with that blemish, a perfect mirror image of himself. Nothing short of that's going in. Now, we see in Malachi 4 that we find on that day that shall burn as an oven and the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Then we will grow up as calves of the stall and the wicked will be ashes and of the righteous feet. But that's the righteous. And the righteous, those are the only ones going in that have been obeyed unto righteousness. Obedience unto righteousness is required regardless of the false teachers that tell you that all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus and you're saved without works that accompany salvation. Without the works, there is no glory. For example, Jesus stated that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The glory being revealed through you is His not ours. But that's the only way you glorify the Lord Jesus in heaven. In Revelation, the second and the third chapter, the Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. If works is not important, then why does Jesus, after every announcement to every church, states, I know thy works? To the church at Sardis, he said, I have not found him perfect. In Ephesus, repent and do your first works over. Why is that important? Because if you don't, he says, I'll overcome and I'll remove your candlestick out of its place. Then you'll have no light at all. With Jesus, it's all or nothing. You're always going forward, never backing up. He that puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. You have to keep pressing onward for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's many that say, well, a fundamentalist is saved. Going back to John the Baptist, baptism, water under repentance, that all you had to do was repent. Now, first of all, we have to have a knowledge that we are sinners. Jesus stated that. I come not for the righteous, but call the sinners to repentance. Those that are whole need not a physician, only those that are sick. So the first step is that we know that we are sinners and we are convicted of our sins. One way, the simplest way, is for any minister to preach the law. Because by the knowledge of the law is sin. We preach the law, sin is going to manifest itself in the heart of the believer. It's just that simple. But then the person has to acknowledge that sin. And then it is a humbling of oneself. 
It's godly sorrow. It's a state of contrition. And uh, that godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians worketh uh, repentance unto salvation. Repentance in itself is not salvation. But repentance is certainly a step in coming unto salvation. We see that in uh, 2 Corinthians and Paul talking, stating that in 2 Corinthians 7, he said that for though, this is 2 Corinthians 7 verse 8, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle has made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. Verse 10 is the point he's making. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of this world worketh death. Repentance there. No man comes to Jesus except the Father draw him. The word pricks the heart in the spirit of man. At that point, that word has done its job in the preaching of that gospel to that unbeliever. At that point, they're convicted. The next step is they must, they're of a godly sorrow and humble, contrite spirit, then repent. It's a change of mind, but not only just a change and think, well, I'll do better, but it's after a godly sort that you start adhering to the commandments of God in obedience. There, if there is a way of retribution, a restoration of that him that stole, then restore it back, if possible. But if you can't, then at least you've repented and done your best for a total repentance. That, that requires retribution if a person can. Then it is obedience to the commandments of God. That's the bottom line. So repentance is not just, well, I repent, I'm sorry, that's it. No, it requires obedience. A true repentance requires obedience unto righteousness and obedience to the commandments of God. And that commandment now, is through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not the law of Moses. The law of Moses has been, through the cross of Jesus, elevated to a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It went from that law, there what was weak in the flesh, there to a spiritual law that is written in the heart of the believer. And that law is through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's a law of liberty that we have to obey. Stand therefore in the liberty 
wherein Christ has made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But that's one step. Is it salvation? It's the beginning of the walk in God. A walk that you will, through the quest for life, to find the will of God and do it. Ultimately, find the purpose of God in the believer's life and do it. If we do not do that, do the will of God, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, or it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. We must do the will of God. If we don't, then we hear, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Jesus said, They are not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will they enter in. These are born-again believers. They call him Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. The Lord is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Well, the first step is repentance. We find in the book of Acts that they are believers. They have made one step, but are they saved? Notice that Paul comes against or comes and uh, there in Acts the 19th chapter to certain brethren. And he, through not hearing them speak in tongues and not seeing the evidence of the Holy Ghost, says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, they were following and believing God. But Paul noticed there was something lacking in the present truth. Apollos, the silver-tongued orator of Alexandria, had been through there and preached the gospel there, which was mighty in the Old Testament scriptures and was knowledgeable only to John the Baptist baptism. And he had preached that, and they had obeyed it. But they had not received the Holy Ghost. And Paul knows through these brethren that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, He's none of his. So the question that he asked, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Well, then I'll ask under then what were you baptized? Now we're told that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Yet it is a second work of grace. Not understanding that baptism is the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the spirit. That is the only way to be buried with Christ at the body of the sins of the flesh being destroyed is by baptism. There's no other way. Repentance won't do it. Repentance begins uh, that process of salvation, which we're saved, being saved and will be saved if we continue to walk in the light as he's in the light, having fellowship one with another, blood flow through the body of Christ, and the, then by obedience, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, second by second, minute by minute. But it's not stagnant. There's not a place where you say, well, I repented, Check that off, and now I'm saved, and that's it. 
Sit back and eat, drink, and be merry. No. Woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion, not going on to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the obedience unto righteousness. That is where the denominal church world has messed it greatly that there is an effectual working of grace through the Holy Ghost upon our heart in the spirit of man that compels us to obedience unto righteousness, which requires works, works that accompany salvation. You'll know them by their fruit, not because they've repented. You'll know them by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law, Galatians 5.22. And we tell them, well, join up the church. You've repented. You've asked Jesus to come into your heart. Baptism had nothing to do with it. And you're saved, which is a gross lie. The biblical baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is the only way to have the heart circumcised, the body of the sins of the flesh cut off. That is circumcised by baptism. You see that, that many in the book of the Revelation say they're Jews and they're not. We'll reference again, Acts 19. Paul comes upon these certain brethren. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That says we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Then Paul refers them to baptism. The question is, is under then what were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism, John the Baptist. Now notice what Paul said. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. That's a baptism, yes. It's just repentance. But are you saved? Well, the present truth is, until Jesus died on the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection, that was the present truth. But then Jesus did die, and he was buried, and he rose again. And then Luke tells us that Christ, it behooved him to suffer, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, entering into his glory. That's Jesus. But you have to go on. So that's what Paul is telling the brethren there. Well, There's more steps you have to go on in Christ Jesus. And he said, John truly did. Baptized with the baptism of repentance. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. Not on John, but on to Christ Jesus. Well, When they heard this, well, what were they? Did they say, well, we're saved, that's okay. We've asked Jesus to come into our heart. We've repented. Uh, We had a change of, of mind. We're going to serve God. No, when they heard this, they were baptized. What, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? No, because Father's not a name, Son's not a name. The Holy Ghost's name is Jesus. And that is declared to us very plainly in John 17. 
Jesus praying, O Holy Father, I have manifested your name, not my name, your name. Keep through thine own name, your own name, those that thou hast given me. And I've lost none, saving the son of perdition, the scriptures might be fulfilled. The name that he manifests is the Father's name, which is Jesus. The name of the Spirit is Jesus, the revealed name of the Father. When he came into Jerusalem on the coat to fall of an ass, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? Jesus, riding upon that donkey. When that name is Jesus, the revealed name of God, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than at the name of Jesus. The name of the Father is Jesus. There, no one will refute the name of the Son of God is Jesus. What's the Holy Ghost's name? Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I will send the Comforter in my name. What name did he manifest? Jesus. What is the name, singular, of the Father? That's a title of the Spirit. And of the Son. That's another title of the Spirit of God. And of the Holy Ghost. That's another title in the Spirit of God. What is the title? Father is the title of the administrative office of the Spirit. What's his name? Jesus. Declared in John 17. Manifest in the Father. Jesus manifests the Father's name. He kept all that came to him in the name of the Father. I've manifested your name, Father. Well, the name of the Son, no one will say that's not so. They'll say that is the name of Jesus, truly. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? Well, the Son of God, that is the title of the redemptive office of the Spirit of God, Son. Capital S-O-N, who is the everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 6, the mighty God. Well, what's his name? It's the name singular of the Father, Jesus, and of the Son, Jesus. Because the Spirit is named Jesus, regardless, regardless if it's the invisible Spirit, the Father, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit, Jesus, or that Spirit revealed, manifest in flesh, is still that same Spirit is named Jesus. It's now manifest but it's the name of the Father, the administrative office of the Spirit. It is still the name of that office of redemption, Son. That title is Son of God. That's the, that is the restorative, uh, the, the, the redemptive office of Jesus, the Son of God. The name is Jesus. The Holy Ghost is that same spirit, the title of the power office of God, Holy Ghost. And that name is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So they're giving us this information. 
and the name that we would know above every name, the blood name of God that will be revealed on the cross and then resurrected from the, the dead. Jesus raising his own body from the dead, revealing he is the Father. John 2, 19. The gospel according to John, second chapter, verse 19. Jesus states, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. That's very simple. No man can raise up his own dead body except he be God. Jesus did it. The Jews said 40 and 6 years was this temple in Delhi. And you're going to raise it up in three days? Jesus spake of the temple of his body. And he rose it in three days. There, the name that you see in Matthew 28, 19, that most of the denominal church world have missed it that there is a proper name of God, the name that has been elevated above all names, the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. He went to the glory of the Father. There, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus stated before the cross, go ye into all the world and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In every office of the Spirit, that name is Jesus. And along with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Jesus, there in Matthew 16, asks a question. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Who do you say I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ is that spirit. Christ is that spirit whose name is Jesus, the revealed name of God, the Father of glory. And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the Father revealed in a body of flesh and blood, the name is still Jesus because that's the name of the Father revealed, the revealed name of God. That has never been revealed until Jesus took on a permanent abode, a permanent tabernacle, a permanent dwelling place, and put his name there, the name that is above every name, Jesus. Jehovah is salvation, the very meaning of his name. So, Peter having the keys to the kingdom given to him in Matthew 16. On the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their heart. They received the Holy Ghost. How did they know to receive the Holy Ghost? This They repented? No. While they were seeking God in the upper room, after Jesus had made his uh, passion for 40 days, he said, go you into that upper room and wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, because the promise of the Son is the same promise of the Father, which that promise is the Spirit. In Galatians 4, 6, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry of a Father. There's one Spirit, the Son and the Father, same Spirit. Jesus said, it's a promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me that you receive power not many days hence. Well, 
They were in the upper room. And that was 10 days after. Then they, suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Now we're going into a new thing. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father, Jesus said. And cloven tongues of fire appeared and set on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know? Acts 2, 4. Well, many have cut that out of their Bibles. They were filled with other tongues. The tongues of uh, that was stated in Isaiah. With stammering lips and with other tongue will I speak to this people. That tongue is a sign to the unbeliever. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than you all. That is receiving the Holy Ghost with the outward evidence, Acts 2, 4, of speaking in other tongues. You have an utterance from the Holy Ghost. And they spake in other tongues there, Acts 2, 4. There in Acts, you can read it, stating, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How? And began to speak with other tongues. Did they do it with an intellectual consent? No. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gives the utterance out of the belly, out of the Spirit of man. Because when they have the true Holy Ghost, it's not an intellectual speaking with a blah, blah, blah. It's an unction from the Holy Ghost in a tongue speaking mysteries under God. And that's an unction in a tongue that only God gives. It's not learned of man. And the understanding is unfruitful, as we will see when Paul talks about the gifts in the church. But every believer from Acts 2, 4 on received the Holy Ghost with the what? The evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. God put the tongues in the church, the Holy Ghost, uh, baptism, and he's never changed it. In Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. Not maybe. New tongues. Somebody said, you don't have to be speaking tongues to be saved. That is a lie. The outward evidence of even having the Holy Ghost is the tongues. How did in Acts, there in the 10th chapter in the house of Cornelius, how did Peter know that the house of Cornelius had received the Holy Ghost? Well, let's see. He begins to preach Jesus Christ to the house of Cornelius of the Italian band. You can read it in Acts the 10th chapter. And he was preaching Jesus, and as he's preaching Jesus, while Peter, verse 44, yet spake these words, preaching Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. The Holy Ghost fell. How did Peter know that? 
did they begin to weave and fall out on the floor? Did they see cloven tongues of fire? Or did he hear something? They of the circumcision, that is, the Jews, which believed were astonished because now we're at the Gentiles, the Italian band of the house of Cornelius. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know it? Next verse, 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew it. How do I know? When I meet another brother and we're in a church service or whatever, and we're going through and praising God, we will praise him with the understanding? Yes. But we'll also praise him in the spirit. And that is, they heard them speak with other tongues. Then, and only then, Peter said, can any man forbid water? Somebody said, well, they've got the Holy Ghost. They don't need water baptism. Oh, yes, they do. They must be born of the water. Because even though you have the Holy Ghost and had already received the Holy Ghost as in the house of Cornelius, still they have to have that baptism of water, born of the water. Because it's through that baptism that you're buried with Christ Jesus in baptism. And you become a Jew through the spiritual circumcision of the heart. Somebody says, where do you see that? Well, Romans 2, 28 and 29. He is not a Jew that is one outwardly and the circumcision of the flesh. He is a Jew that is one inwardly and the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Whose praise is not a man, but of God. Well, how did they know? Carnival, Peter knew that the house of Cornelius had received the Holy Ghost because he heard him speak with tongues. That's what it says in verse 44. Now the ghost fell on him. Verse 46, they heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. Well, that's the reason Paul knew or was questioning the brother in Acts the 19th chapter because he didn't hear anybody with prophesying or the gifts of the Holy Ghost. He didn't see any fruit of the Spirit there with the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues. So he asked him, coming upon these certain brethren, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And of course they said, sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Well, now Paul's going right to baptism. Why? Because that's essential. It's only through baptism, um, born of the water, that the heart or the spirit of man is circumcised, cutting off the body of the sins of the flesh, not by asking Jesus to come into your heart, but actually having your heart circumcised by obedience in baptism. And there's no other way. You'll see that in Romans 6, 1 through 4. Whenever Paul speaking there simply said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Is grace alone going to save you? Grace 
literally reigns through righteousness. It's not just alone. Well, of grace I'm saved. It's by grace through faith are we saved. And faith without works is dead, being alone. Can faith save you alone? James said no. Faith alone cannot save you. But the denominal church world says it can. It cannot. Totally unbiblical. Well, then what must we do? Well, we must have the circumcision of the heart to believe with the heart. The body of the sins of the flesh is cut off by baptism. Well, that's what Paul said. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Does grace is covered all? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why? Because he's telling us what baptism has to do with it. Born of the water. Know ye not, verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ we're baptized into his death. There's your watery grave. You don't go down the cross and kill yourself. But you're crucified with Christ in water baptism, buried with him in baptism, raised in the newness of life. But the, bab- the church world says baptism is not essential for salvation. It's a second work of grace. And then they don't even do the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which name is Jesus, Peter revealing that through the keys of the kingdom given to him on the day of Pentecost. They were already speaking in tongues. They already had the Holy Ghost. What then else were needed? Well, Peter stated the formula right there for the plan of salvation. He stated, the men and brethren, what must we do? Peter stated, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name. What is that name? Well, it's the proper name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, of the three different offices of that one Spirit of God. Not three persons, but three functions of that one Spirit. Repent and be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. There's no other way to have your sins remitted. Not by just repentance. You must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. The body, the sins of flesh cut off by baptism. That's born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born of the Spirit. And how do you receive the Holy Ghost? That's the power of God. Out of your belly flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which is not yet given because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. But then on the day of Pentecost, he came to them, just as he said he would in Matthew 16. Some of you will not taste of death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. When? The kingdom of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Acts the second chapter. Plumb tongues of fire appeared, seven each one, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? Began to speak with tongues. The tongues that God, Jesus stated in John 6, and I'm sorry, Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name, and shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. That's new languages. It's a spiritual language that, given not through man's languages, 
but through the Holy Ghost unction. And that is your prayer line to God. No man knows how he ought to pray. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, according to the will of God, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Romans 8, 20, 26, 23 through 26. Well, why? Well, that's how you build up yourselves upon your most holy faith. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith? That's in your spirit. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20. There's no other way. Well, there you speak with the tongues. It's an outward evidence of the Holy Ghost for all that have the Holy Ghost speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Not being taught a tongue, but through an utterance of the Holy Ghost being there, there it has an utterance. It feel it coming up in you, and you yield to that. And by doing so, you speak mysteries unto God. Well, what happened? What happened in that baptism? Well, Paul said, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Buried with him where? Verse 4, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. There's a watery grave. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. What? In a watery grave. That's born of the water. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. What do we know by this? By this baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Christ. Why? That the body of the sin might be destroyed. This is the Jesus Christ that taketh away, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. How do you get that? Well, repentance only? No. Repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism, that the body of the sin might be destroyed in your human spirit. The circumcision of your heart, the circumcising, the cutting off of that man of sin, that body of sin in your human spirit. That's in your heart. And Paul states that. What do you know? You know this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. That the body of the sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. How did you get there? By baptism. We'll see it again to Paul talking to the church again. At Colossians, at the church at Colossians. He'll state it again, Colossians 2, 1 through 9. He gives us a revelation of Christ that he is that spirit that manifested himself. And he did it all in a bodily form. Then he went back to his former glory. That's a mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. Then he tells us how to get in there. Colossians 2, 10. It says, and you are complete in him. You have need of nothing else which is the head of all principality and power. What happened? 
in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Circumcised means to cut, but it's done without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How did you get this circumcision of Christ? By repentance? No. He tells you how. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism. Verse 12, Colossians 2, 12, there's only one way that you have the circumcision of Christ. That circumcision made without hands. Somebody said, well, my pastor says that's not faith. Well, yeah, the nominal church world have, have their eyes blinded because Paul plainly states, verse 12, Colossians 2, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. God, through the spiritual circumcision of Christ, it's an operation, it's a circumcision made without hands. This faith in the operation of God. What, what operation? God takes a spiritual scalpel. You go down in a watery grave, invoking the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, you do it. He takes a spiritual scalpel. Through faith in that operation, that spiritual scalpel, he cuts off the foreskin of your heart and the spirit. It's a circumcision made without hands. It's a circumcision of Christ. And it's by faith in that operation of God when he raised him from the dead. So you're buried with Jesus, but when he raises him from the dead, you're also raised as a new creature in Christ Jesus only through the operation of faith and the circumcision made without hands, the circumcision of Christ by baptism. There is no other way. No one was ever baptized by the Son and Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, Peter says that. Acts 8.16 the name under heaven. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The reveal name of God. Acts 8, 16, not only they were baptized in the name of Jesus. No one was ever baptized by the Son and Holy Ghost because those are titles. They're not name. You don't invoke the name, then you're not have and are not born of the water. Your sins remain. The only one way to cut that sin off circumcise that body of sin, cut off that body of sin, the circumcision made without hands, that circumcision of Christ, it's through faith in God's operation. The operation of God when he raised him from the dead. That's how you have it imputed to you by baptism. There's no other way. So many say they are Jews and are not. You'll see that in, in the Revelation 2 with Smyrna. Many say they're Jews and are not. You'll see it also in Revelation 3 in the Philadelphian church. And they are not. Well, it's a mistaken identity. Why, how did they think they were Jews? Well, they thought that they were simply by saying Jesus come into my heart or by repenting unto repentance, maybe sorrowing, crying out and really having a true repentance, it will change your life. But that sin still remains. There's only one way for the expiation of that sin, for it to be buried with Christ, is in baptism. And that Paul, who had seen God on the Damascus Road, 
There's a man that has seen God. Two, what is your name, Lord? He has a name revealed to him, Jesus. The name of the, the Father of glory, God Almighty. All name of God, the name, singular name of God is Jesus. The blood name of God, the redemptive name of God, Jesus. And speaking to him in the Hebrew tongue, Yeshua. Gives him the call on his life. You have been an example of long-suffering, Paul. Saul of Tarsus. He's blinded for three days. Notice that Ananias comes to him. And we see that in the book of Acts again. Now, Paul, in Acts 19, he comes across those certain brethren. Truly, they had repented. According to John the Baptist, water under repentance. But they still had not received the Holy Ghost. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of it. But that the Spirit dwelled in you, that also dwelled in Christ Jesus, dwells in Christ Jesus, it shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body. You have to have the life, which is Christ in you, which is the Holy Ghost being baptized, not only of water in the name of Jesus, but of the Spirit of God with the outward evidence of speaking with other tongues, as Jesus stated in Mark 16. You'll cast out devils, and you'll speak with new tongues. In my name, you'll do it. Well, Paul tells them that. What does he do? He said, "What you, then were you baptized? You don't have the Holy Ghost. You've come to repentance. He said, the John truly did baptize with water under repentance saying that they should look on him that should come after him. Then he preached Jesus Christ. What happened? They were baptized. Look at what they said. And they heard this. That's Acts 19, 5. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Take on that name. And now they're born of the water. Next verse, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, that's the doctrine of laying on the hands, you are transferring the spirit you have to the person there. The Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. There's those tongues. You have the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. Now Paul knows. They received the Holy Ghost. They spake with tongues and prophesied the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at Paul telling his account on that Damascus road, and he tells them in Acts 22. Acts 22, verse uh, comes on down uh, all the way through uh, 1 through uh, 12. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good, re good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto Paul and said, He came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. Now here's a man that's seen God, has a revelation of the name of Jesus, Yeshua. He knows the call upon his life, and now he's healed of his blindness. In the same hour, I looked upon him. He could see Ananias. He received his sight. Now, and he said, The God of our fathers have chosen you, Paul, that you should know his will and see that just one, not a trinity, just one, and should hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what? Thou hast seen and heard. Here's a man that's seen God, has a revelation 
of the name Jesus and knows the calling on his life, healed of his blindness, and notice the next verse. Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Ananias talking to brother Saul turned Paul of Tarsus. And now why tarriest thou? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. What? Why is baptism essential? Because that's the only way the body of the sins of the flesh is going to be cut off. It is circumcision by water baptism in the name of Jesus. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Doing what? And wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Invoke that name, Jesus. Oh, you mean to tell me, here's a man that's seen God on the Damascus Road. He knows the name of God, Jesus. He knows his calling, that he is going to be a witness for the Lord Jesus. Healed of his blindness, and still his sin remained? Yes. There's only one way to have that sin washed away, expiated, is through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. As Ananias said, Arise, why tarriest thou? What are you waiting around, Paul? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Now these that have their eyes blinded by the God of this world, saying, well, that's not scripture. That is Exactly. Scripture that Paul, Jesus stated, these that believe in my name will speak with new tongues. Then Peter stated that preaching that repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. There's no other way to have those sins remitted in the name of Jesus Christ. That's born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises unto you, your children, and many to far off, even to as many as the Lord our God, your call. Now, these are basic fundamentals. This is just getting to be a newborn babe, which most of the church world are not even born again. Because they believed what these ecumenical councils have stated and these synods made centuries and centuries ago, but never have sought God out of their own Bibles, the Word of God. And because of that, they're trusting their eternal souls upon what a man said in a man-made doctrine. They're in seminaries, doctrine of the divinities, and PhDs of theology. To our own hurt. But God is restoring that faith that was once delivered to the saints, to those that have an ear and a heart for God, that are seeking God for their own. You will always see that they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone, even Paul the Apostle, was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, washing away his sins. Now, even after he'd seen the Lord, had the name revealed to him, an audible voice speaking to him, knowing his call, healed of his blindness, and still had to have his sins washed away by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Then we said, well, my pastor said, we don't speak in tongues anymore because it says there to you, uh, the tongues, they'll cease. God will be done away with. Well, you need, to have, you need to understand that God put tongues in the church and nowhere did he ever take them out. And Paul talked about this speaking in other tongues in 1 Corinthians 
the 14th chapter about speaking of the gifts in the church, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, that faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, yeah, that, that uh, working miracles, that uh, tongues and diversity of tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of these nine spiritual gifts, Paul is relating in the church. In the church, you don't want to speak in tongues. You're speaking to God. But in the church assembly, you need to speak there for edification. So if you speak in an unknown tongue, pray that you interpret so others can be edified. But there, for your prayer language in your closet, there you are to build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, you 20. There's no way to pray in the Holy Ghost except having the Holy Ghost. And that's speaking not with only the understanding, but in the Spirit. Your spirit prays. You'll see that in uh, Paul talking to the church at Corinth. He that's speaking on tongue, tongue his, his spirit prays. Notice he says that in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. And he says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, and he says, I speak in tongues more than y'all, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, for when I, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Your spirit prays? Not your understanding? No, not your understanding. Your spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. The Spirit is praying. It's praying to God and the mysteries unto God according to the will of God for your life, and that's building up yourselves on your most holy faith in your spirit, not in your mind, will, emotion, imagination, intellect, but in the spirit man that you are, where you have your conscience, communion, and intuition, things that you've learned without the human intellect. That's where your faith is held, and to build up that faith, it's praying in the Holy Ghost. There's no other way to pray in the Spirit. Your understanding's unfruitful. And he said that, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So everybody in the church will know what you're saying. If you give thanks in the Spirit, you give thanks well. But your brother and your other uh, believers in the church are not edified. There it says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. You're not talking unto men. You're talking to God. But unto God. There's your unknown tongue. Your spirit's praying. You're talking to God straight. It's a direct line from your spirit to God. That spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, a direct line. That spirit there with groanings, Make it the intercession for you according to the will of God in your spirit. You don't know, no man knows how you ought to pray, but the spirit itself make it intercession. That's what's happening in the spirit. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. You're not talking unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit, in the spirit, what's happening in the spirit? He's speaking mysteries and mysteries unto God. What's that mystery? The mysteries of Christ. And those mysteries are now. I have not seen nor ear heard neither hath entered the heart of man 
what God has prepared for them that love him, but it is revealed by the Spirit. When? For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And we're building up, building up our most holy faith. Jude 20. Building up ourselves up on our most holy faith, on our most holy faith, that's in our human spirit. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul says that. He says, I want you to know that I speak with tongues more than you all. But in the church, I had rather prophesy. So in the church, he's saying that if you if you speak in an unknown tongue and that that gift comes out and that tongue comes forth that there will be an interpreter so that the body of Christ can be edified. And it says that if any man speak in an unknown tongue, he's in there, what? In the church assembly, not in your prayer closet. Everyone speaks with the tongues in a prayer closet, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. They're praying in the spirit according to the will of God through your spirit man, through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost giving you the unction. Not your intellect, but he says in the church, well, now, if you speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three. So you'll hear a tongue break out in a church. It'll be this one here. You'll speak in an unknown tongue. Your understanding is unfruitful. Nobody knows what he says. So we're now we're praying for interpretation. God, give us the interpretation of that tongue. What was spoken in the spirit, let us have the understanding of it. And he says when they do it, it can be by two or at the most three. That one can speak in an unknown tongue. We keep silent, waiting for the interpretation. Then it can go to the second one. He can speak in an unknown tongue, or she can. That's the second. Then to a third. It still hadn't been interpreted yet. It can go back to those three but no more. If a fourth person speaks in an unknown tongue, the pastor will automatically, the shepherd of that flock will automatically say, that's it, let's praise God, go on. Because you've broken it. The most that you can speak in an unknown tongue in the assembly, in a local church body, is two, no more than three. And then he says, if there be no interpreter there, let them keep silent. So if they do speak, there's going to be an interpretation. Otherwise, God would not be moving on them. And let him speak to himself and to God. Let him speak to himself and to God, but not in the assembly of the church. And it said, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that standeth by, in other words, there's something else revealed in the spirit. Then let the first hold his peace. Why? For you all may prophesy one by one. If someone has thus saith the Lord, let these that are already learned there be silent and let the, the, the one maybe he's never even spoken in prophecy before in an unction of the Holy Ghost. But thus saith the Lord and brings out a revelation or a God speaking to the people for instruction or maybe for proof or rebuke or for correction or for exhortation or for encouragement. 
but definitely for the edifying. Well then, let that let the one that hadn't done it, let them be used in the gift. Why? That all may prophesy one by one, that all may learn, everyone that has the Holy Ghost in the church, and all may be comforted. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So you can't even begin to get in the spiritual realm, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Some will say, well, I've read the truth of the word, but you have to have the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth to understand it. The natural mind cannot understand the things of God. Without the Holy Ghost, it is impossible to have the understanding of the word of God. Being led and guided in all truth is through the Holy Ghost alone. And there, without the Holy Ghost, it is impossible for a man to be saved. And the Holy Ghost will always, always, and that unction of the Spirit, there you will pray in the Spirit. Paul said, I will pray with my understanding, and I will pray with the Spirit also. Tongues are there, it's still there, and it will be there until the Lord comes. Don't let anybody lie to you. It's for you. There, many, many, many years ago, I was in a Baptist church and received the Holy Ghost. And back in those days, it was not well accepted, and I was kicked out. That uh, that it was an evil thing. And they had uh, voted in the church that if there were tongues, they would not allow it in the church. Church about 500 people, and I was asked to leave, which I did. This is many, almost 50 years ago. It was a good thing. It happened, and I went on my walk and sought God, but did not understand many of the things back then. But God, as you press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God, God will get you there. So number one, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ at baptism. This, like Peter said, there in the there as which they were in the long suffering in the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by Water, H2O, just like Peter said to the house of Cornelius, that it received the Holy Ghost. He heard him speak in tongues. And he knew it received the Holy Ghost because he heard him speak in tongues. Then he said, can any man forbid water? If they've already got the Holy Ghost and that's all there is, and they don't need anything else to be born of the water for the body of the sins to be destroyed, cut off by baptism, why did Peter say, and he commanded them, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts the 10th chapter. Paul said the same thing to the certain brethren. If it was not essential, Paul would just left them alone. But then he preached Jesus Christ, baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ, laid hands on them. Then they spake in tongues, prophesied. Everyone that ever had the Holy Ghost still has the Holy Ghost will speak in other tongues. As we seek the tongues, no, we seek the Holy Ghost and tongues come with it. It is a sign there to the unbeliever. You speak mysteries unto God, building up yourselves upon uh, your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude 20. In the church, you speak in an unknown tongue, pray that it interpret it so that all can understand. You speak in an unknown tongue, those that come in unlearned, well, they not say you're a barbarian. They don't know what you're saying. You're speaking in the spirit. You're praying in the spirit. But those of the school of the, of the unlearned will say, are you not to them, Paul said, a barbarian? But then when you prophesy, 
You have the interpretation of that. Then the man will say, his heart being revealed, for God knows all things and knows the heart, that he'll fall down on his knees and, and say, God is in you of a truth. So we can't stop short. Not only do you repent, certainly, but that's just not, you're not even born again there until you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And no one was ever baptized, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, ever. Not in the book of Acts, not anywhere in the Word of God. And you will see there that after that, it's for your baptism in the name of Jesus. It's for the remission of your sins. That is now you are a Jew. You've had the spiritual circumcision of the heart in your spirit, your human spirit. Not in your mind, in your human spirit. And now you can say you are a Jew. Many say there are Jews and are not. Smyrna, Revelation 2. Philadelphia, Revelation 3. Jesus said many say they're Jews. They're not. They're the synagogue of Satan. Satan, yeah, you're never born again. You still, your sins still remain. Somebody told you water baptism wasn't essential. And the only way you can have your sins washed away is in water baptism. Buried with him in baptism, raised in the newness of life. That the body of the sins of flesh are destroyed by baptism. Romans 6, 4, 5, and 6. Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. There's no other way. And he is a Jew that is one inwardly. Romans 2, 28 and 29. That's when you're a Jew inwardly. You've had the circumcision of your heart in the spirit. Whose praise is not a man but of God. And we're going to find in the last day church, many will say they're Jews. And are not by the synagogue of Satan because they've never had the water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. They've never had the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Romans 2, 28 and 29. Romans 6, 1 through 5. Uh, Colossians 2, 10 through 12, if they don't know it. Acts 2, 38, 4, 12. Acts 8, 16. Acts 19. Acts 22, etc. On and on and on. The jeweler, the jeweler, <laughs> the jailer that... Paul and Silas there were with them. They were about to kill himself. Do yourself no harm. We're still here. And you believe on your house. They believe. Then they stop right there and say, well, they're saved. Well, they went there and their whole house were baptized. Come on down a few verses. Not anyone, never has been a one, that come into the church in the dispensation of grace that were not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the only way for the body of the sins of the flesh to be cut off. Circumcised in that circumcision made without hands. It's a circumcision of Christ. It's through faith. It's faith in the operation of God. You got faith that God took a spiritual scalpel, cut off the sin right out of your spirit. You receive the Holy Ghost. You're going to speak with other tongues. You're going to build up your faith, your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll speak mysteries unto God. You'll feel the power of God leading you and guiding you in the unction of the Holy Ghost. Nothing like it. Well, I hope this has been a blessing. And we said that because some say, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved? Yes. Without the Holy Ghost, it's impossible to be saved. You must have the baptism of the Holy Ghost born of the water and the Spirit. Is baptism essential? Of course it is. That's what he said. Uh, 
a soul saved by water in 1 Peter 3. In the long sufferings of the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water, the like figure. There's a figure there. Where baptism doth also now save us. Not the pretty way of the filth of the flesh. It's not just taking a bath. But the answer of a good conscience toward God. How do you get a good conscience? Conscience is not in the mind, will, emotion, imagination, and intellect. It's not in the mind, in the soul. It's in the spirit, in your human spirit. Conscience, communion, and intuition. Well, where's that conscience? You have your conscience purged from dead works to serve the living God. What happened? That in your spirit, circumcision cut off the body, the sins of flesh. Now your conscience has been purged from dead works to serve the living God. The answer of a good conscience toward God by baptism. For baptism doth also now save us. Well, there, if it been a blessing to you, let us hear from you. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Join me, download our podcast, a free app, Sealing God's People, or a daily podcast, as well as our jcic.tv, our website, where you can join, get your username, password, you can ask questions and give your comments. Through our instructional videos that are uploaded daily, but then on Sunday at 2 o'clock, we have a live stream. You're welcome to join me there, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, there for a live stream on jcic.tv. Simply free registration. You can also message me at dennisbeard.org, sailinggodspeople.org, sailinggodspeople.com. Until the next time, O Lord Jesus, perfect that which is lacking in all of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.